quaint and kind of kind of fun. No mics or anything. So uh, glad to see you all braved it out this morning. Uh, today we're going to talk, continue on the series of talking about Jesus and his names uh, for himself through the book of John. Last week we talked about uh, the great I am. And uh, today we're going to talk about John chapter 10, the good shepherd. Uh, so I'm gonna, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn with John chapter to John chapter 10, I will start with uh, verse 7. He said, Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as a father knows me, and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Now I'm going to be completely honest with you. When I first got this text from Mark, I was a little ticked off. Well, I mean, think about it. Garrett gets to start the series, Jesus, the Word of God. I mean, how easy is that? Then Wyatt, my goodness, gets to behold the Lamb of God. Like, that's so easy. And then last week talked about the great I Am that goes all the way back to Genesis, Exodus. Man, how easy is that? Hey, I want you to talk about the shepherd because that is so culturally relevant today. I mean, we've got shepherds all over the place, like... Come on, can I have a different one? I mean, I know one person that has sheep. I don't think they would call themselves a shepherd. And I certainly have not seen them walking around with either a rod or a staff uh, through town leading their sheep. So, but then the more I started reading it, the more I started thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, we don't really know what shepherds are. I mean, they're not really culturally relevant to our society. We don't have them very often. We don't really see or talk about them. But we know exactly what Jesus is talking about here, don't we? We know exactly what he's talking about when he calls himself the good shepherd. So I want to talk today about three ways that Jesus is our shepherd, three things that he does as a shepherd for us. And the first one is that he provides you heard the, the passage this morning. It's probably one of the most familiar passages. Everybody has heard it probably at least one time in their life. You, know, you have John 3.16, but then you also have Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. We all know that passage, right? 
We hear it often at funerals. And I don't have any problem with that. But it's so much more. Psalm 23 is so much more about God the shepherd than about death. It's about God providing as the shepherd. Think about it. He leads me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He provides a place for me to rest. He provides a place for me to eat. He provides a place for me to drink. He provides. He leads me where I should go. In John chapter 10, he's the gate. He keeps us. He provides a place, a safe place for us. I do not have sheep, but I have a dog. Her name is Suki. She's a little 20-pound Shiba Inu, if you know that is basically like a miniature type of husky. Two things drive her absolutely crazy. String cheese and peanut butter. Okay? Now, our family is split. I'm a chunky, chunky peanut butter only. The rest of the people are wrong and insist on creamy. So we actually have two different sources of peanut butter. But anytime one of us goes to the refrigerator, she knows exactly which one is the cheese drawer. She knows that when we slide it, and she is sitting, you turn around, and she is sitting there, I'm a good puppy, staring at you with those eyes. And then you pull the string cheese out, and it's like the, the tail starts going, and it's like, and then you start eating, and it's almost like you see a dejection, dejection of like, what are you doing? Now, occasionally, I'll give her a little bit, and that's probably why, and I think the family, the rest of the family does too. They'll give her a little bit, and then she won't be enough, right? And she'll, she'll want more. But we don't always give it to her. Now, peanut butter, this one kind of gets to me because I don't understand it. Uh, Drew, our youngest, he has peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day for school. We get up, and either Amy and I make him a peanut butter and strawberry uh, jelly sandwich every single day. I mean, this has gone on for years. We, I mean, it's a thing. I make coffee, I grab the bread, and I'm like, and I know exactly where everything is. But I kid you not, I do not understand how she does it, but Suki knows as soon as that cupboard opens, and as soon as that jar lid is turned... I kid you not, no matter where in the house she is, and we have a fairly decent-sized house, or even if she's outside, somehow she knows when that jar lid gets open because I will look down and she'll be like, I'm a good puppy. Now, we don't often give her peanut butter, but when there's like an empty jar, or like when there's just a little bit, we'll put some in the, in the lid and give it to her, and she like is in heaven for a few days. I don't always give her string cheese, and I always give her the peanut butter that she loves, that she wants, that she thinks she needs. But we every day, okay, Amy every day, gives her food in a bowl, gives her water in her bowl. We let her out twice, three times a day. We get her groomed. We get her shots. We take care of everything that she needs. 
We may not give her everything that she wants all the time, but we provide what she needs. Do we not treat God the same way? Sometimes, probably some of you are saying, when I say God provides, and we sing songs like, you are good, good, you're never going to let me go, never going to let me down, never going to let me down. You, probably some of you were singing that song thinking, I feel like God's let me down all the time. I feel like, I don't feel like God's been good to me. I don't know that I feel like God's provided for me. Kind of mad at God right now. Doesn't really feel like he's there. Doesn't really feel like he's good. What I've found uh, over the past year or so is that I am an arrogant person. Because what I think I need is really just what I want. And at those times when I think God is not being good to me or not giving me what I need or not providing for me, it's those times that I want the string cheese or the peanut butter. And then I start thinking to myself, the more I was studying this passage the past few I mean, weeks, the more I have just felt so arrogant. 2017, for a lot of us, stunk. It stunk. Does that mean God is not good? No. Because he's provided everything that we need. And there are people all over the world. There are people in our community. There are people in Lincoln, in Springfield, in Africa, in Haiti, wherever, that lose friends, family members, every day. There are people all over the world that profess Jesus' name, that meet in hidden closets for fear that somebody might come take their life. And here I am, worried about my own life, thinking it's about me. God's not good because I don't have what I want. It's because bad things are happening to me or to my friends. He's provided us everything that we need. And the only thing that we need is a chance to be with him forever. That's what he has provided us. And not only has he provided us that, he's provided us with a gift, a gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said as he ascended into heaven, I'm with you till the very ends of the earth. I'm giving you a job to do, but I'm giving you everything that you need to do it. I'm providing for you. And Jesus says, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Notice what he says in John 10, one of my favorite passages. He says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come to give life and give it more abundantly. It's when we change our perspective. It's when we start submitting ourselves to God and his will and his plan when we start to understand the true nature of God providing for us. I feel the past few months, the past year or so, that I've been a little bit of a, of a, of a hypocrite. I stood up here, no, not here, I stood up 
in front of people about six, seven, eight months ago, talking about a person that I love dearly who spent the last 10, 15 years of his life telling people about Jesus. In the past six, seven months, there hasn't been a day that I haven't thought about this person. But in those days, I have been dishonoring both him and the God he serves because I have not been telling people about Jesus the way he did. I should be rejoicing for him because he got his full reward. God provided for him eternal life. Hallelujah. His job, his goal was to share that with as many people as he could. That should be my job. And God has given me all I needed to do that. The second thing that goes right along with that, sorry, I wouldn't expect that, is he protects. And almost like the exact same thing. With providing, you're like, really? God protects? Because it feels like the enemy's winning. It feels like we're getting beat down. Doesn't it? Sometimes. It feels like the odds are against us, that we just can't get a break. We don't feel protected. Again, all over the world, in the Middle East, people are being killed. Because of Jesus' name. Are they protected? Absolutely. Because God has protected them from death. They may have died an earthly death, but God has protected them from the eternal death. In the same way, He's given us, He's provided for us the Holy Spirit. He's protecting us with also some equipment that I think sometimes when I feel like God isn't protecting me, it's because I'm not utilizing that equipment. He's given us Scripture. What is Scripture called in Scripture? Sharper than any double-edged sword. Jesus, when he was being attacked, when he was being tempted by Satan, In the desert, he used Scripture. Scripture is a tool for protection. But then not only that, he also gives us another another way to protect us. Paul talks about the armor of God. You've heard about it, right? Upon the helmet of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. shield of faith. We have all of these at our disposal. And a lot of times, again, when I feel like I'm not protected, it's because I am not tapping in. I'm not using that armor. It's sitting over here in a closet. And I find myself a little bit more like Adam and Eve over here hanging around this tree that looks pretty good. That's where I find myself. Not in the armor closet, but over here. Back to Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not every single one of us are walking through the shadow of death. 
Every single one of us are under that shadow. The psalmist David knew that more than anybody else. Think about it. Think about the valley. There was a literal valley of the shadow of death that he walked through to face a nine-foot giant that had just promised to feed him to the dogs. And as he walked through that valley, picking up those stones, clinging to that sling, he knew that God was protecting him. So when he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because you protect me. And there's two other two ways that he protects. You think about Psalm 23, your rod and your staff. Now, a, a lot of times these are two different words. And sometimes, it just kind of depends. Sometimes they actually are referring to the exact same thing. And sometimes they're actually referring to two separate things. The rod being just a long stick. Think of a ninja, right? Uh, and then a, a shepherd's hook, which you would think about. You know, I think the big, big hook, which you're wishing somebody would take the hook and pull me off right now. Right? Um, not, sorry, nobody's back there. Uh, but you think they serve two different purposes. And even if they're the same thing, they're used different ways. The rod is used to protect, is to use to fend off wolves. I mean, David fought a bear. The rod is there to protect from the enemy. Then the staff is there for a different kind of protection. It's there for the protection of discipline, of leading a sheep. If, sheep's, if a sheep starts to go astray, the, the staff of the shepherd gently leads it in the right direction. We've been given both. Protection from the enemy through the word, through the armor of truth, through the, through the armor of God. We've been given that, and we've also been given the discipline through the Holy Spirit to help us, to correct us. We've been given both. Just like the rod and the staff protect us, they lead us, they discipline, they correct us when we go wrong. And we go wrong a lot of times. The very last thing I want to talk about is that he provides, he protects, he pursues. Think about John chapter 10. Talks about him giving his life up for his sheep. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. There's another passage I want to switch to. If you have your, if you have your Bibles, you flip to Luke, Luke chapter 15. There's a triplet of, of parables that Jesus talks about. You're probably quite familiar with most of them, if not the last one. Uh, he talks about a lost sheep, talks about a lost coin, and then he talks about of the lost son, or what we would call sometimes the parable of the, law, of the prodigal son. But Jesus says this. Verse 3 of, of Luke chapter 15. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. 
Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, Jesus is using a bit of hyperbole here. I tried to say exaggeration in the, in the first service and it didn't go well. I don't know why I can say hyperbole and not exaggerate, but I nailed them both today, so that's good. Uh, he, think about it, okay? So you're a shepherd, you're the head shepherd, and you lose a sheep. And Jesus says, will he not go find the one? Now the culture of the time, the, the way it goes is if you, would, if you would be a shepherd and you would lose a sheep, you would be responsible for paying for that sheep. You would be responsible for it. Um, so you're like, okay, yeah, maybe he'll go. And as you see from, from John chapter 10, there are hired hands that kind of help the shepherd. So you say, okay, well, the shepherd is going to go find the one that's lost, and he's going to leave behind the 99 that um, kind of leave them safe in their, in their grazing pasture with those other men in charge. But think about what Jesus says about those other men in charge. He says, if a wolf comes, they're, they're gone. So Jesus says that the good shepherd here, or the shepherd in Luke 15, leaves the 99. Now, if he would leave, and those sheep, the 99, would be killed by a wolf or by some other means, just like he would be responsible for the one lost sheep, paying for those, he would be responsible for the entire flock. And that would probably end him in debtor's prison because he wouldn't be able to pay back that much. So to leave the 99 behind and to go search out that one that was lost is a big deal. It's how much that one was worth to him. And now think about it. Think about the picture of it. I mean, really, even if this happened, you're thinking a shepherd goes out and he finds the, he loses one, he finds it, he's like, shoo, shoo, sure glad I found that one. But Think it, see the picture that Jesus paints? He puts it on his shoulder. He's like, he's like see him walking down the road, dancing, carrying it. Woohoo, I found my sheep singing some weird song. And then when he gets back to the flock, he's like, let's party, because I found this lost sheep. I mean, most of the people would be like, what? Yeah, glad for you. You found it. That's how much that one sheep is worth. willing to leave the 99 for you. Her name, her face, was the face that launched a thousand vessels, so it was said. You may know her as Helen of Troy in Greek mythology. Helen, actually, was from Sparta, married to the king, and through some adulterous relationship, ended up being stolen away by the prince of Troy. The king of, the king of Sparta was so upset, was so angry, was so hurt, wanted his wife, Helen, back. So he went on a rampage. He went to war. He sent every vessel he had. It was all-out war just to get the one wife back. He risked it all to get her back. 
That's how important she was to him. We are the face. You are the face. That launched the God of the universe to send his only son for you. Not a thousand ships, his one and only son. He sent it for you, the lost sheep, for me, the lost sheep. So we're not the face that launched a thousand ships. We're the face that launched God's plan for salvation. And when we come home to him, Scripture says that's when the angels rejoice. Some of you are still lost today. Some of us have been found, but wonder a little bit. Not real sure. If that's you today, if you are not sure, if you feel lost, we're going to take communion. And we're going to celebrate the blood and the bread that was broken and poured out for us as Jesus gave himself up for us. The good shepherd was willing to lay down his life for us. And if that's you, if you are still lost today, if you have not been found, know that you are being pursued today. And if you'd like to talk to somebody after, or prayer counselors will be available. If you, if you want to talk about what that means, please come up and, and pray with them. Talk, talk to them about it. Um, if the guys want to want to prepare communion um, now, Garrett is going to sing a song. I'm going to pray, and I asked Garrett to sing this song. That's it's it's fairly new. Or, um, I know we don't normally have um, songs with lyrics during communion, but I want him to sing this one because it really nails down what we talked about today. And as we listen to the words, and if you know them, and if you want to sing along, please please feel free to. But as we take this communion, as we take this bread, please remember, you're the face of that lost sheep. You are the one that God loves so much that he sent his only son for. Let's pray. God, forgive me when I get so caught up in my own world, my own wants, and I feel like you're not there. I know you're there. I know your Holy Spirit is there. I know that you've given us all that we need through protection and through your Holy Spirit. You've given us your word, your scripture. Thank you for that. But God, we thank you for the opportunity to be with you. That you've called us, that you cared so much for us, that you came and sought us out to bring us back to the pen. God, pray for those today that haven't experienced that or are still wandering around. Please tell them that you're calling for them to come home. To come home. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.